I just wonder about something. I wonder about if Christ doesn't come back to rapture us away uh, 50 years from now. I wonder what people might learn about Calvary Bible Church 50 years down the road if we're not raptured in glory. I wonder what lessons they might take from Calvary Bible Church Nassau because we've been taking scriptural lessons from the ancient church in Antioch. To review, last time we saw three lessons, three timeless principles that come to us from the ancient church of Antioch and scripturated for us. Number one, the lesson that the end of the earth can be reached. Number two, local expressions of the church should know and bless each other. And number three, we learned from Antioch Church, the best encouragement comes from the best Christians. Those are three important lessons I hope you've been pondering and living out. Today we come to two more lessons from the same ancient church in Antioch. Let me tell you what the lessons are first and then we'll unpack them individually. The two additional lessons from the ancient church of Antioch, number one, Continuing with the Lord takes the right purpose of heart. To continue walking with God, serving God, requires you having the right purpose in your heart. The second lesson from Antioch for today, sometimes we must seek each other out. Sometimes we must seek each other out. Let's take these one by one, starting with the lesson I mentioned first. Namely, continuing with the Lord takes the right purpose of heart. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them to Acts 11. And we're going to return to verse 23, which we have seen in previous sermon. Acts 11, verse 23, hear the word of God. When he, that is Barnabas, came, that is to Antioch, and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. When Barnabas got up to Antioch, 300 miles north from the church in Jerusalem where he had served, when he got there to encourage the believers in the church at Antioch, he went straight for their hearts. Not the peripheral, not the optional, not the incidental. He went straight for their hearts to encourage them. He said, with purpose of heart, you should continue with the Lord. Put another way, he could have said, you want to continue with the Lord? Then have the right purpose in your heart. Again, our hearts need encouragement this morning. There are people here this morning whose hearts are terribly discouraged. There are persons who don't know if they'll get one foot ahead of the other as they leave the sanctuary to walk into a new week of things you're not looking forward to. The fact of the matter is that The only person's hearts that don't need encouragement are the persons you don't know very well yet. We all need encouragement of heart. And so when Barnabas got to Antioch, he went straight for their hearts because hearts need encouragement. Verse 23, again, when he came 
and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. And so I ask you, as a loving under-shepherd, I ask you, how is your heart at the moment? Encouraged? Or discouraged? How is your heart? Do you have a heart this morning that you know has a single proper purpose? Or honestly, before Christ, you'd say, I don't know what the purpose is in my heart. It just sort of the issues in my heart sort of swirl around like a tornado. Verse 23 links two things together. Verse 23 links continuing with the Lord with having a heart that has a proper purpose. Again, 23. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. Let me make two observations about heart purpose. Two observations about the purpose of the heart that God intends for each of us who are redeemed, converted, born again, believers in Christ. Two observations about the heart purpose. Number one, whatever our heart purpose is, it is to be seen by others. Whatever heart purpose God has willed for each one of us, he wills that that particular heart purpose is seen, noticed, perceived by others around us. The Greek word which is translated to the English purpose is prothese. Prothese. It means placing in public. It means setting before others so they can see. It means a particular known attainment. And so our hearts should have a purpose which is public and not just private. Our hearts should have a purpose which is noticeable to others and a purpose which is measurable by us and them. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And now, if you've been listening carefully, and I believe you have, you will have noticed that I use the term purpose, singular, not purposes, plural. Because that's what the verse says, singular. And when he came, 23, and when he came and seen the grace of God and was glad and encouraged them all, watch, that with purpose, singular of heart, they should continue with the Lord. That brings me to the second truth about purpose of heart. The first truth being, it's whatever that purpose God wills for your heart, that purpose should be seen by others. The second thing I see is that our heart purpose is, in fact, singular. It's one and the same purpose. We are all as different as our DNA, 
but we are entirely the same before God this morning in that he has one purpose for each of our hearts. One heart purpose for each of us. Do you know what it is? If there's only one purpose, it would be mighty important to find out what it is in Scripture, right? Romans 8, 28, and 29 begin to tell us what that singular heart purpose is for the redeemed, all of us. Romans 8, 28, and 29. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, watch it, according to his purpose, singular what is the purpose? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, watch, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the purpose in our hearts. That we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That day by day, increment by increment, we each would be coming more to be like Jesus. I've told you before, in the province of Quebec, next door to my home province of Ontario, they have a winter carnival every year. And one of the wonderful uh, displays of this winter carnival in Quebec is they bring in huge blocks of ice, huge blocks of ice. And the ice sculptors come in and sculpt things out of these huge blocks of ice. At one time, there was an ice sculptor using his chainsaw and then using a handsaw and then using chisels and a mallet. He created an eagle in flight in ice out of a block of ice. And someone said to the artist after it was done, he said, how in the world do you do that? He said, it's simple. You chisel away everything that doesn't look like an eagle in flight. God, in his faithfulness and love, is chiseling away from my life everything that doesn't look like Jesus. Sometimes it's painful. God, in his grace and love, is chiseling away from each of you believers everything that doesn't look like Christ. Sometimes it's painful. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Romans 8.28 says the singular heart purpose God has for us is that we would be conformed to Christ. Philippians 3.14 says much the same. Paul in prison in, in writing to the church at Philippi, I, he says, I press toward the goal, one goal, not multiple goals. I press toward the goal for the prize, what is it, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, becoming like Christ. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he, Christ, is revealed, we shall be like him. When you physically die as a believer and you go to be with Christ, absent from the body, present with the Lord, in that instant, you're made to be like your Savior when you see him face to face. 
Some of us may not have to physically die. Christ may come back for us in the rapture, return for his church, and we be translated alive to glory with Jesus. But when we see Christ through rapture, if we don't die, when we see Christ, we're transformed to be like him. The process of chipping off us what doesn't look like Jesus is concluded because we look like Jesus when we see him. Putting all this together, Barnabas sent from the church in Jerusalem, 300 miles north to the church in Antioch. Barnabas encouraged the believers in Antioch to continue with the Lord Jesus by having the heart purpose. When you scope the other scriptures, the heart purpose of becoming more like Christ. And this becoming more like Christ was to be seen by those who watched those believers who served and lived and worked in Antioch. So I can just imagine this week, I can just imagine your phone rings or you get a text or a WhatsApp or you run across one of your brothers and sisters in Christ from our assembly this week and it becomes pretty plain to you that they are discouraged. You may not know why they're discouraged, but you can sense they're discouraged. And you want to help. You want to do and say the best thing to encourage them. And so you would do well to follow Barnabas' example in Antioch. You would do well to encourage that brother or sister in Christ to continue with the Lord having your heart purpose of being more and more like Jesus through the tough things you're going through. And in so doing, becoming more like Jesus, mindful that you are the only Bible that some people are reading because they're watching your life. How you handle downturns, reversals, losses, illness, prodigal children, whatever. And so... If you find yourself this week either needing encouragement, listen to those who will tell you about becoming more like Jesus. And if you meet someone who does need encouragement, point out that they can make it as simple as desiring to be more like Christ in the difficulties and challenges they're facing. I'll tell you what not to do is to throw around Christian jargon Glib remarks that are not biblical. Answers to do with the person who needs encouragement, not to do with the person who needs encouragement's Lord and Savior. We don't need those kind of encouragements. You say, what kind of encouragements are those? Be strong, you're a fighter. God helps those who help themselves. You know there are others worse off than you. Name it and claim it. You don't have enough faith. You can ask your uncle for money. God is punishing you. I think you ought to repent. You know, you deserve better. Just get even. Those are empty encouragements because they focus on the one who needs encouragement. They don't focus on the God of the one who encourages. 
And maybe what the person's going through has nothing to do with a lack of faith or a lack of stamina or a lack of will to get out of the situation. Maybe it has everything to do with the Holy Spirit chipping off that person the things that don't look like Jesus. According to Acts 11.23, you could boil it down to this, that solid encouragement, listen, Say this to a person you love and want to encourage. Don't forget to stay close to Christ. Focus your heart on having a testimony of becoming more like Jesus in all your stuff. That's solid encouragement. That's encouragement that looks high enough. It looks to God taking everything off the person that doesn't look like Christ. It's high enough. It cares about the interests of others, not just the person who needs encouragement. It cares about what the others around the person who needs encouragement see and experience and how they view and filter their understanding of God. So our first lesson today is continuing with the Lord takes the right purpose of heart. The second lesson of two, is this. Sometimes we need to seek each other. Verses 24 and 25. For he, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul to seek Saul. Verse 25 says that after Barnabas encouraged the believers in the city of Antioch, he had a mission to seek and to find the apostle Paul. The Greek verb, which is translated seek, can also be translated hunt up. Barnabas went to hunt up Paul. You know, when I think of the idea of hunting something up, I think of it when you lose your wallet, you hunt it up. Or when you misplace your cell phone, you hunt it up. Or when you don't know where your passport is, you hunt it up until you go to the airport. You hunt up if your dog is missing. What we hunt up we do not take easily the answer no for our search for something we're desiring and needing to hunt up. We don't take no for the search very easily. When Barnabas hunted up Paul, he diligently looked for Paul until he found Paul. Now, I think there were some reasons that Barnabas had a high motivation to hunt up Paul. Here are some of them. Barnabas knew that Paul had been commissioned by God to be God's apostle to the Gentiles, and so he hunted him up. Also, Barnabas had heard Paul's impactful testimony of conversion, so he hunted him up. Barnabas was aware of Paul's unique abilities as a trained Pharisee, so he hunted him up. And Barnabas needed help in the church at Antioch. He needed another 
leader, servant leader to help him help the church at Antioch. So he hunted up Paul. But you know what I think is the most important reason he hunted him up? Those are reasons. But I think the most important reason that Barnabas hunted up Paul was brotherly love. Because of brotherly love that Barnabas had for Paul, he went to the effort to hunt him up. Do you remember that back in chapter 9, verse 27, after the church persecuting Saul met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, was temporarily blinded, and then he was sent into Damascus to see the believers in Damascus. They were all pretty suspicious of Saul after he'd been killing Christians. You want us to take him into our group? It was Barnabas, it says in Acts 9.27, who convinced the church in Damascus that his conversion was genuine. Even from the point of conversion, Barnabas had an encouraging love, a brotherly love for Saul, later named Paul. Beautiful. And there were many twists and turns in the Apostle Paul's road after he was saved because they presented a bit of a challenge to find him. He needed to be hunted up because there were some twists and turns in his road after his conversion. And by the time that Barnabas was hunting up Paul in Acts chapter 11, at least three years had passed since Paul's conversion. And Paul had been in and around Damascus learning Christ and preaching Christ. We see that in Acts 9, 19 to 22 and Galatians 1, 17 to 18. And because Paul's life had eventually been threatened, he was forced to get out of Damascus by the believers putting him into a large basket and then lowering him over and down the wall of the city. Acts 9, 23 to 25 and 2 Corinthians 11, 32 to 33. And then Paul at some point had spent 15 days with the apostle Peter in Jerusalem. That's Galatians 1, 18 to 20. And then Paul got to Caesarea. Read about that in Acts 9, 30. And then after Caesarea, Paul got to his hometown of Tarsus. And it was in Tarsus where Barnabas hunted up Paul. And it was from Tarsus that Barnabas brought Paul back to Antioch so that Paul would help in the work of the church in Antioch, Acts 11, 25, and 26. But you know what? Paul's road after conversion wasn't just a road that had twists and turns. It also had large potholes of personal loss. Dr. John MacArthur in his study Bible suggests that after Paul was converted to Christ, most likely he was disinherited by his family, forced to leave the fellowship of his family. Most likely he was made to be an outcast by his family. And most likely he was written out of his father's will. Maybe these painful turns of events were included in Paul's Philippians 3, 7 and 8's autobiographical assessment when he said, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, end of quote. 
And so the Apostle Paul's road had twists and turns and even potholes of loss. But guess what? Each and every believer, including everyone in the sound of my voice, each and every believer's road also has twists and turns and potholes of personal losses. I mean, COVID (laughs) saw to that for many of us. And as the Apostle Paul needed to be hunted up, many believers who once associated themselves with this church also need now to be hunted up. And after the Apostle Paul was hunted up by Barnabas, it led to the Apostle Paul's fruitful ministry again in Antioch. Verse 26. And when he had found him, He brought him to Antioch, so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Do you know what? Some of our church's missing folks, brothers and sisters in Christ, currently need to be hunted up. Some of them may be led of the Lord to return to our church where they can once again be fruitful in ministry as the Lord would will it. That's my prayer. When I think about the whole ministry of hunting up, I have some observations I'll close this message with. I want us to think about five things when it comes to the ministry of hunting a person up. Number one, any one of us can hunt someone up. It's not just my job. It's not just the job of the elders. It's not just the job of the deacons. Any one of us can hunt precious people up. Number two, the point of hunting someone up is caring, not scolding. We only work to hunt someone up so we can express to them that we care for them not that we're mad at them. Number three, sometimes hunting up shows that a person has been led of the Lord away from our church for the Lord's reasons. We need to accept that. When we hunt someone up and find out their circumstance now after COVID's mostly phasing, we may find the Lord has, for legitimate reasons, led them to another assembly in our city We accept that because all I want for any of you or anyone in my care as a pastor is you be in the center of the will of God for your life. That may be right here in our assembly or it may be in some other Bible-believing assembly. Sometimes hunting up, folks, shows that the Lord has led a person away from CBC for the Lord's reasons, and when we find that, we accept that. Fourth, Sometimes it's hunting up that causes growing up. (laughs) When we care enough to hunt someone up, it's going to cause us to grow spiritually. Our intercessory prayer ministry, our love in practical terms for a person. Sometimes when a person is hunted up, it causes them to grow up too. To realize that we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Fifth and last, 
Hunting up communicates love for one another. Our discipleship pathway, love the Lord, love one another, love the lost. Love the Lord, we're asking for involvement in the Sunday morning worship service. Loving one another, we're asking God's people in our church to be in a small group. But here is another way we can love one another is if we'll hunt a precious person up that's missing. We don't easily give up on hunting up our wallet or our smartphone or our passport or our dog. So let's, my challenge is, let's all hunt someone up this week. This week, before we meet next Lord's Day, if God spares life, do you think you can make it your prayerful goal to hunt one person up who's missing from our church? Phone them up, email them, WhatsApp them. How are you doing? <laughs> Miss you at church. What's going on in your life? May I ask? Hunt them up. They may say, I'm plugged into this church over here. I'm serving. Okay, all right. Or they may say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Come on back. We love you. We need you. Come on back. Make that your goal, as I will make that my goal in the next seven days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the simplicity of your purpose for our hearts, that we would become more like Christ that we would grow in grace in the knowledge of him, that we would do so through the study of scripture, the ancient words from you, and also, Lord, that we be obedient to your word, not just we get smarter because of your word, but we would get more like Jesus Christ by obeying your word. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that we would take seriously this challenge to love those who are missing from our church enough to hunt them up, as an expression of caring, as a demonstration of loving, not to scold, but to genuinely care. Lord, for those who may have plugged into other churches, we are grateful that they have and that they find places of ministry using their spiritual gifts. We accept that. But Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who just aren't going anywhere, they're adrift. I pray that we would love them enough to encourage them to come back. To get their heart's purpose again on the heart's purpose you have for all of us, which is becoming more like Jesus. We know that we become more like Jesus by assembling together with those of like precious faith. Bless our hunting up ministries, Lord. Keep us humble. Keep us caring and loving, prayerful. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.